I'm going to talk to you today. We're continuing to talk about the uh, processes that transform our lives. If you recall, we started this in January, and it's August. <laughs> and we're dealing with the process of glorification. Now, I want to start by just reminding you or informing you, if you've never had uh, teaching on this, if all you've ever been told about glorification is that when you die, you're raised from the dead with a glorified body, or if you're raptured, you receive a glorified body in the end times. Glorification is really far more than that, and it doesn't start when you die or are raptured. And we're in that process right now. And very simply this, the glorification process is God restoring His glory on His people that was lost in the fall because of sin. And what that means is God is restoring His glory or His manifest presence and power and goodness on His people. Amen. And it doesn't happen all overnight. Now there will be a day where it will happen instantly Amen. in the twinkling of an eye. Is there anybody stoked about that? Amen. The twinkling of an eye. Well, that's not today. We're not in that right now at this moment. But we are in the process of glorification. So we should be enjoying more of God's presence and more of His power and more of His goodness on us as we serve Him. We're in the process of glorification. What does that do? It causes me to function spiritually at the highest possible level. It causes me to enjoy His provision for my physical healing if I'm somehow in, in, inhibited or hindered, have some kind of infirmity. As, we, as Kelly talked about today, and I'm going to thank God for the Word. Amen. We make no apologies to say that healing is for today, that God is a God of miracles and these things have not passed away, contrary to the stuffy armchair theologians out there. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But the glorification of the body right now is to keep and preserve you and protect you so you can accomplish God's will on the earth. On the days that you live here, you're doing the purpose He's assigned you to do. It causes my mind to function at a higher level. Amen. Look at your name and say, you could use that. <laughs> it causes me to discern, understand, and be inclined towards His will at a higher level than ever before. It causes me to function at a higher level of emotional spirituality in terms of mentality, in terms of maturity, in terms of understanding what it means to be a spiritual person with emotions. Let me say it again. God did not give you your emotions to run your life. That's right. When are you going to stop saying that? When you all stop doing it? <laughs> it's always going to be a temptation. He gave us our emotions to experience life, not dictate or run our life. So what we're doing is, in glorification now, we feel things deeply, we experience things, but we tell those emotions, I'm not following you, you're not my Lord. Aren't you glad that Lord anger is not your Lord? The Lord sorrow is not your Lord. The Lord mad is not your Lord. The Lord offense is not your Lord. His name is Jesus. So you can feel something deeply, but not be moved by what you feel. And that's the essence of being a word person. Say it, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm moved by what did God say. And aren't you glad you're in that process? Say it boldly, I am in the process of glorification and I am moving forward in Jesus' name. And so I want to talk to you about the glorification process and the concept of the pivotal moment in your life. And there will be several pivotal moments in your life. 
But my point is what you do at that pivotal moment is going to determine whether you accelerate in glorification or it goes the other direction. Whether you advance to the highest level in these things while you're still on this planet or you kind of, you know, trudge behind. And so I want to start over here in, uh, in Matthew chapter 4, looking at four men real quickly who had a pivotal moment. And the scripture says in Matthew 4 verse 28, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Now I want to point out to you that when you listen to tradition and you listen to even what Hollywood has to say about these men, they are, they're depicted as, you know, scrappy, you know, basically hand-to-mouth existence. They're poor, they're destitute. These were professional commercial fishermen. They knew what they were doing, and they were very, very successful and invested lots in their equipment. And notice what it says. At that pivotal moment, at once, they left their nets and followed him. At that pivotal moment, that's what they did. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets, and Jesus called them and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Everybody say, oh, the pivotal moment. That's what they did. In Mark chapter 10, there's a story that kind of goes the other way. The Bible says in verse 17, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And what basically he's saying here is he's not denying he's God or he's good. He's wanting to make sure, do you understand what you're saying and whom you're saying it to? He goes on to, to question Jesus. You know, how can I have, inherit, or how can I tap into eternal life? You know the commandments, Jesus said. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And notice Jesus didn't contradict him. Kind of a pious young man here. Serious about the things of God. And he said, though, one thing you lack. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Now watch this. Come on, say it with me. The pivotal moment. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me and look at the response at that pivotal moment. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, these are two examples of individuals in pivotal moments. Peter, Andrew, James, and John seized that moment and became foundational apostles of the faith. Everybody say, praise the Lord. This other young man was being given the same opportunity and choked at that pivotal moment. The Lord has shown me the past several weeks, a lot of people are making good choices at that pivotal moment and you're advancing and some are choking at that moment and it's setting them back. Let me continue on with this. In the days of the Old Testament, in 1 Chronicles 12, 32, it spoke of men from Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. You and I more than ever need to understand the times that we are in and what we are supposed to do. 
When we are walking into a pivotal moment, we absolutely must make the right choice and decision because glorification hangs on that. In Ephesians 4.16 from the NLT, Paul said, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Before we move forward, I want to make sure that we're on the same page as to what pivotal means. Say it with me, pivotal. It simply means of critical or crucial importance to the development and success of a person or a thing. A thing that is important and affects the outcome or the success of that person or some endeavor. Say it with me, it's critical. It's crucial. Now, I don't care what color socks you wore today. If you put two colors on, gentlemen, maybe your wife has something to say about that. But that's not a big deal. But when you're facing a pivotal time, you need to make sure at that moment you make the right decision, a thing that is substantive and life-altering or changing. The believer's pivotal moment is a response that directly affects the glorification of the believer and how much of the manifested presence and power and goodness of God they have in their lives, they experience and they carry. You're supposed to experience the glory of God, but you're also supposed to be a carrier of the glory of God. Adam and Eve in the garden before the fall carried the glory of God. And when they sinned, the light went out. God longs to put that glory back on his people. Are you here today? Glorification is advanced by a proper response to the direction of the Holy Spirit in a crucial or a critical moment or time in our lives. It's that moment, if we do it right, we get a boost in glorification. I'm here to tell you God's wanting to boost you. That was pretty weak, so... Ah, glory of God, I can take it or leave it. I said God wants to boost you. Amen. He wants to clothe you with His power, His goodness, His presence. And that will happen if we respond correctly. Now, I want to make this plain because some people look at some folks and they see that, uh, you know, they're on fire for God. They're bearing much fruit. They're seeing things happen in their lives. God is blessing. They're seeing results in their life, in their ministry, in their business, in their family, in their marriage. And they go, wait, they just must be better than me. I want to make it plain as I possibly can today. It's not that some Christians are better than other Christians. It's that some make better choices at pivotal moments than others do. And that is the difference. Turn to somebody and tell them, I'm not better than you. Tell somebody else, you're not better than me. But what will set you apart in terms of the manifestation of God is presence, power, and goodness. And we're talking about manifest. It means you can see it. There is a distinction upon the righteous. There's something that marks you and me as a child of God. Say it, a distinction. But it's not that one is better than the other. It's that in those pivotal moments of life, That Christian makes the right decision and is blessed by it. Another Christian fails to discern how important and crucial that is, and they end up decreasing or standing still. Aren't you glad that he loves us all the same? And aren't you glad we're not better than each other? 
So I will tell you this, when you see some brother or sister and they're blessed, they're anointed, they're on fire for God, God's doing things in their family, God is increasing them, whatever category, spiritual, material, relationally, in the job, whatever it is, you see God doing great things, don't look at them and judge them or put them down or question them. You can make one absolute conclusion from what you're seeing. They make good decisions in pivotal moments of their life. Plain and simple. You say, well, Pastor Rory, if it's that simple, there's hope for me. Yeah, there's hope for you. <laughs> Come on, say, there's hope for me. <laughs> because it is that simple. The Bible is filled with people in pivotal moments who made amazing decisions. And the Bible is filled with some, of course, that made terrible decisions at those pivotal moments. And you can see the difference in their lives and just blares even to this day. And there's countless examples of that in the Word, but also in our own lives every single day. Look with me at Luke chapter 14 for an example of how this works. Turn to somebody and tell them, there are crucial and critical Pivotal moments in your life you need to respond to correctly. A little bit of a passage here, then I want to give you some of these examples. In Luke 14, verse 16, when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. I like what Creflo says about this. He said, Excuses are just nails to build your house of failure. The first said, I've just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Look at somebody and tell them, pivotal moment, wrong choice. Another said, I've just bought a yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Turn to somebody and tell them, pivotal moment, dumb decision. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Well, I'm not going to say too much about this. <laughs> For several reasons. <laughs> But I still will say, pivotal moment, take your bride and go to the banquet. <laughs> servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered the servant to go out quickly to the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servants, go out to the roads and the country lanes, the highways, the byways, and compel them to come in so my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. At a pivotal moment, they said no, so they will not enjoy my glory. Now we see this in Scripture. We also see it in real life examples. I, uh, I love uh, the stories that uh, Brother Jerry Savelle tells. And one of the most pivotal moments, I think, in his life, you know, if you know his story, he was a paint and body man. His dad was a paint and body man. And this is where his life was going to go. In fact, he developed a business of his own when he received a call to preach. He came to Brother Copeland one time and he said, you know, I can believe God. I know how to believe God for my healing, for myself, for my family. He says, I just can't seem to be able to believe God to meet my needs. How do I get God to meet my needs? And Brother Copeland swung around and looked at him and said, Brother Jerry, he said, God has done everything he's going to do about your finances. 
Look at somebody say, pivotal moment. He said he got so mad, he went home. And he had this collection of big reel-to-reel tapes, messages of his on faith and on victory and whatever. And he went outside in the, in the yard into the road. And he took the first tape and rolled it down the road because he was so upset that he, that's all the answer he got. Look at somebody tell him, pivotal moment. And then he got another one. And he's about to roll that one down the road. And the Holy Ghost said to him, there goes your answer rolling down the road. Say it, pivotal moment. He stopped, picked it up, and began to roll it back up again. <laughs> because of that pivotal moment, he understood that what I need to do is read the Word, understand the Word, and apply the Word of God. Well, that was many, many years ago. But I'm telling you, at that moment, if he had, if he had ditched those tapes, he would have been a paint and body man to this day if he was still alive. And there are times in our lives like that when God's trying to get a hold of your attention. He's trying to speak to you. Amen. The light's on, but nobody's home. Say pivotal moment. What you do in those pivotal moments is critical to your success in life. Elijah was a powerful man of God. Say that, a powerful man of God. Had an anointing that was just phenomenal, the things that he did. And he had a servant named Elisha who seeks to, to have even more of the power of God and a double portion of his spirit, which he was granted. And great miracles were done and wonders were done by the prophet Elisha. Elisha had a servant named Gehazi. And one day, Naaman the Syrian general, famous for his campaigns even against the Jews, came into the presence of the territory of the Jews seeking to be healed from leprosy. And basically what happened was the prophet didn't even come outside to say hello. He just said, basically, tell him to dip in the Jordan and he will be restored. At that saying, Naaman got mad. Are not the waters of Damascus better? Here's the short answer. No. The waters were the anointing, or that's the answer, and that's the correct answer, amen. A little, little servant girl talked him down off the wall and said, you know, if he asked you to do something very, very difficult, wouldn't you do it? And he agreed. He finally dipped down and he came out with brand new skin and total deliverance. He was so overjoyed that he wanted to give something to the man of God. And the man of God made it plain. We're not going to take anything from you. This is not going to appear to the Assyrians, our enemies, that somehow you can buy something from God. A transaction. He gave us money and he went home healed. Gehazi heard what the servant of God said, and instead of listening to his master, thinking it's oftentimes that people get to the place where they think they know more than the one that they're serving with. Well, that old man doesn't know what he's talking about, and he took some money, and he took some clothes, and he hid them, but God saw it, and so did the prophet. That was a pivotal moment for Gehazi. Will you be the man with the double, double anointing? Will they talk about you one day, Elijah and Elisha and Gehazi? Or will at that pivotal moment, you lose everything? That's exactly what happened to him. There was no great stories of Gehazi at that point in time because he gave everything up, making a wrong decision at that time. Look at somebody and tell them, don't be a Gehazi. Come on, tell them again, don't be a Gehazi. There are 12 spies that went out and they 
searched into the land as they were instructed by Moses, and they saw the wonderful fields and the grapes and the fruit thereof, and they also saw walled cities, walled cities and giants. And ten of them came back with an evil report of unbelief. Say that with me, pivotal moment. Two of them came back with a good report. A man named Joshua and a man named Caleb. The Bible says that Caleb had a different spirit. He served God wholeheartedly and he silenced those people in the presence of God. But they did not listen. And so those folks and all of those folks associated with them, they failed to see God's best. Why? Because of that pivotal moment, they chose to walk in fear and not believe God. Look at somebody saying, don't be like those spies. King Saul was given a simple command. Take out the Amalekites, the enemies of God. He treated God's people so horrendously. And what did he do? He spared the best animals. And he kept the king as a prize to parade around, showing how great he was. And after denying it several times, he finally admitted. But at that moment, his legacy, his throne was compromised in that pivotal moment. Come on, say the pivotal moment. <laughs> it was 2010, and uh, my son Tim, and didn't he do just a tremendous job in ministering for you? Give him a hand clap. We just appreciate him. It was 2010, and Tim was going into his senior year at Callaway County. He was a 4.0 student and destined to be one of the valedictorians over there. And I kept feeling that the, uh, you know, impressed with the Holy Ghost, that even though the first day of school was going to be when the Believers Convention in Fort Worth was going on, I needed to pull him out of school, and he needed to be there. Well, there'll be another convention. Well, there'll be another opportunity. All these things go through your mind. But the Spirit of God was, was, was pretty insistent about this. And so what happened was I thought, well, you know what? Um, if, if he gets grace from his teachers, then great. If not, some things are more important. Some of your parents need to listen to what I'm saying right now because their spiritual welfare and development is more important than your soccer league, Amen. than your cheerleading, Amen. Amen, than your basketball and your softball and your volleyball and everything else. Amen. Are you here today? And so I thought, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to go anyway, but I just kept feeling like he was supposed to be there. So instead of going to his first week of his senior year, which absolutely defies all logic, <laughs> I took him with me. And he went to the youth services in 1440, and I went into the adult services, and Monday went by, and Tuesday went by, and Wednesday went by. Nothing extraordinary had happened. And all of a sudden on Thursday night, the adult service had let out. And how do you know that's something that the adult service lets out? <laughs> earlier. And so I'm sitting there at the bottom of the steps from where they were meeting in the youth program. And I thought, this is, this is, you know, different. They're, they're still up there. Something's going on up there. And sure enough, the grandson of Brother Copeland, Jeremy Pearsons, if you ever want to listen to some solid teaching, amen, that you'll understand and be blessed by, just listen to what he has to say. He called Timothy out and prophesied over him for nearly 15 minutes. They graciously recorded it and gave him the DVD, which we have that video to this day. And I'm telling you that everything he said has come to pass in his life. A week of school miss versus what? A divine appointment. Look at somebody and tell them, pivotal moments. 
See, not only are you and I affected by our pivotal moments and our decisions, other people are affected by our pivotal moments and their decisions. He was never the same after that, and how many know he'll never be the same? There are deposits that were made that will carry him all the days of his life because God has something more in store than just the first week of school. And those of you who know me, I'm not anti-education. I'm not pro-hooky. Amen. Everybody say it. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Kelly informed me yesterday that that I had a pivotal moment. It was called the day that I agreed to marry her. (laughs) Good decision. (laughs) Amen. 36 years. Knows the word of God. And I'm telling you that through the history of our being here, I can't count the number of people who have been instantly healed when she laid hands on them. Thank God. Amen. Amen. For godly people in our lives. A lot of people are in the same kind of a boat and they, they make poor decisions, they make compromising decisions, you know. And if we're just in those, those pivotal moments of life, stay sensitive to Him, you know, we'll do just fine. Hallelujah. I've had more than a few of these, you know, in my own life. Um, when I left Illinois, I went to the College of Charleston in South Carolina and uh, had a partial athletic you know, scholarship and uh, when I got down there, um, even though everything I was doing, God blessed, there was something deep on the inside of me that told me I was in the wrong place. Ever feel like that? Yes. And uh, I mean, I was, uh, I was the chairman of the freshman delegation to the student government. I was the uh, chairman of the food service committee as a freshman. I'm telling you, there's one important committee at school, and it's the food service committee. Hallelujah. <laughs> And uh, I was in a pre-med program, and my you know, grades were off the charts. And the second week I was there, I had lunch with the executive vice president of the university. I mean, everywhere I looked, there was favor on the inside because I'd gotten born again about a few months before. Everything just seemed that was incorrect. And so I made a decision around October and November, to the surprise of everyone, my family, that I was going to go back to Murray State. No, not my mom. She thought I missed, she says I missed her, so that's why I made that decision. <laughs> but in reality, it was a pivotal moment to leave and to come here where I ran into a bunch of crazy college students that love Jesus. Everybody say pivotal. Come on, shout it out, pivotal. 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 I could have suppressed that and just stayed there. But it was pivotal. And when I got here, I met people like Susan Davis. Everybody say hi, Susan. Hi. Invited me to church, invited me to the campus ministry, and the rest, as they say, is history. But if I hadn't been there and walked past that door by the bookstore, walked past that table, um, you know, who knows? Now, God has amazing things for you. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? There's already a path laid out for you. And on that path are so many cool things. But at a pivotal moment, you've got to make the right decision to keep running into them. Look at somebody and say, he wants to bless you. But you have to be on the right path. So I began to grow spiritually. And by the time I was a sophomore, junior, I began to understand that uh, God may have something different for my life than medicine. And... um, so I, I graduated, um, 
had an experience with several different ministries that kind of confirmed what you know, God was calling me to do. And so I'm in Springfield, Missouri, uh, attending graduate school and working uh, 40 hours at the hospital um, from like three o'clock to 11 o'clock at night. And that time of the day, really no one was there except the assistant director and a few doctors coming in for transcription, that kind of thing. And I'm sitting there at my desk, a little cubicle, and all day long we're just coding this stuff for insurance purposes. And, uh, you know, they hired me because I had a background in science and, and new medical terminology, so it was an easy train. And so I'm just sitting there, and like I'm talking to you, I heard the Holy Ghost say, you know, you can choose ministry or medicine. It's up to you. And I thought, I've got to be hearing things. <laughs> but I heard him so clear. And the point is, it was a pivotal moment. I'm sitting there doing well in, in graduate school, but it was a pivotal moment. He was like, you know, you're going to do this. Yes, it's my will, but I want you to choose my will. Say it with me, pivotal moment. And I did. I said, I believe that I'm where I'm supposed to be. I believe this is what you called me to do. And this is the path that I'm going to go down. Amen. Um, several years ago, my wife looked at me. She said, you know what? I know one thing absolutely positively sure about you, that at the end of the day, no matter what happens, no matter what people say, no matter what they do, no matter what you go through, you are always going to come down on the side of God's will in your life. Amen. And you know, to me, that was a high compliment. Not just that I'm handsome, I'm tall. <laughs> and you know what that does, fellas, for your, for your wife, for your kids? It makes them feel secure. When their husband or daddy's not a flake. Are you here? Say it. Pivotal. Pivotal moment. So I, uh, I go to graduate school. I, uh, I, you know, graduate. I go down to Savannah, Georgia for uh, associate role, working with a pastor who's elderly and happened to be sick at the time. So there's a lot of things that I got to do. Everybody say pivotal. Could have been in a lot of different places. In fact, we could have gone in four or five different directions as far as uh, opportunities, and that's the one we felt impressed to do. When I got down there, found out why this pastor needed somebody who could serve and support him without undermining him. My first month I was there, a lady came up to me. Her husband happened to be on the board, and she said, you know, he just needs to retire. You know, he's just there for a paycheck. He just needs to retire and go on. We need a new vision, we need a new direction. And I looked at her and I said, you know what? You're, if you want to get to Brother Stanton, you're going to have to come through me. And that's the way your mentality needs to be about things. And so we served there, had a great time. And then we heard about this particular church, our college church, you know, where we attended church here, was, was open. And so, uh, you know, we felt impressed for, for a long time. I shared with this church, I felt called in 1985 specifically to come here. And when I came here, uh, you know, the people making that decision weren't all that enthused with me coming. It could have been, well, we know that person or they have somebody else in mind and that's all the process. And how do you understand people are people and none of us are perfect? Turn to somebody and say, none of us are perfect. But how this worked out, they eventually agreed to interview us. And so we're in Savannah on a speakerphone. And, and part of the interview at least went this way. So-and-so did this. What are you going to do? So-and-so did that. What are you going to do? It really wasn't about prayer or spiritual life or vision or souls. It was what you going to do that, that he did. Are you going to replicate what he did? Let me just help you out here. Whenever a church or an organization is like that, and look at somebody and say, this was a long time ago. What do you mean, Pastor? We drove that demon out. Hallelujah, Jesus. <laughs> 
But whenever you're like that, you got to make sure you're healthy as a body to make decisions like that. Sometimes it's best to pray and wait on God. But they did eventually interview us, and uh, they made an offer to an individual in the district, and he said, uh, no, I, I, I can't come. You know, your, your pastor is with somebody else. And so then it came down to me and a, and a friend of mine from Kentucky. He's not in Kentucky anymore, I don't think, John Chamness. And he said, uh, um, John, we believe you should come and, and try out for this church. And so they invited him. But this was after they did a very unique thing, an unusual thing. They couldn't decide who to bring, John Chamness or Art Hines. And so somebody had the brilliant idea to put our names in a hat. Now, I want you to think about a spirit-filled church putting names in a hat to get the most important spiritual role in a church filled. <laughs> there are two people on that board. They both told me the same story, so I know this is verified. I know it's authentic. They pulled my name out of the hat, and then they put the, my name back in the hat. <laughs> And then promptly called, uh, Brother John said, uh, we, we believe that God wants you to come try out. John says, uh, I'm sorry, but the other man's supposed to be your pastor. So we tried out. Uh, did a morning service, a night service. God powerfully moved. Look at somebody say pivotal. pivotal. Say it again, pivotal. pivotal. Say it again, pivotal, pivotal. moment. <laughs> so... Uh, we did. God moved. And, you know, like in most churches, there's some kind of, a, of election among the members that day. And so there's going to be a vote. And when they voted, uh, it was one vote shy of actually an, an affirming vote, like two thirds of that congregation. Um, you know, question is, should somebody even serve at that because of the potential, you know, for difficulty? But one vote. What was unique is that people showed up that hadn't been in this church in five, ten years. Everybody say pivotal moment. A district official who was actually, uh, you know, overseeing this whole thing, this wonderful soap opera, <laughs> he, he didn't buy it, and he, he, he proctored a second vote, which was the exact same vote, except that half of those people that came that weren't really members had left by then. Um, he just shook his head. And uh, we are over in the, the second dome over there. We used to have church in the first dome. And... Uh, I remember to this day, there's, you know, Kelly was behind me and I was behind a couple other fellas and there are a couple of fellas behind us. We were walking, you know, about where the restrooms are over there and walk out of that first dome. And all of a sudden, I hear the Holy Ghost say, stop. And I stopped so abruptly that the people behind me just ran into me, including Kelly. <laughs> and I, I heard it so clearly, these words, be very careful the next thing you say out of your mouth will affect your destiny and the destiny of that church. Now, if you're me, what are you thinking about saying? <laughs> Put my name in a hat, amen. Pull it out, stick it back in there. Pull in people who aren't members to participate in a pastoral election. What would I, what could I possibly say? Somebody said, hey, pastor, uh, how'd you feel at that moment, really? Well, if I had a newsie. It's not politically correct, is it? 
So when I, when I got you know, to the other side and I took the microphone, I said, it's apparent. This is like Captain Obvious here. <laughs> it's apparent that you're not in unity about your direction. Kelly and I will pray that God will guide you to the leadership that you need at this time. That's all I said. You say, why? Because at that moment, the Holy Ghost gave me a pivotal moment. If I'd gone out there in the flesh, it would have destroyed an awful lot of things. And that's what God would say to us today. You know, yeah, we can have fits of flesh. We can yield to our emotions. But more than likely, it's going to push you off of, in that pivotal moment, God's best for your life. Amen. Uh, we were over in Hopkinsville for five years, and then we found out the pastor that was here was leaving, and that uh, they were interested in us coming over. We felt ultimately, after some you know, issues and some things that happened, we felt it was God's will for us to be here. And uh, I guess on November 12th, it'll be 28 years. Something like that, yeah. So, But I can't tell you how many times people in pivotal moments have gotten into the flesh and burned things down. Are you here today? Say, I am here. Say it, I am here. Glory to God. So all the way along from leaving Charleston, South Carolina to sitting in that hospital in the south side of Springfield, Missouri, Cox Medical Center South, it was called, Right there, making a decision in a pivotal moment to the pivotal moment not to destroy the future God had destined for me here with my mouth. Raise your hand if you've ever tore something up with your mouth. We're going to start a line right here. And we're going to pray for deliverance. Hallelujah. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, what kind of idiot would put a pastor's name in a hat? The kind of idiot that no longer goes here. The point is, people do what they do, they try to handle it. You say, well, if people would treat me right and do right, then maybe I would resp respond in a pivotal moment. No, you're responsible for you. And there are too many people in the body cross walking around in the cult of trauma. When God wants to set them free, still blaming everybody for what happens. I'm telling you, Contrary to maybe what the devil went and maybe even a few individuals, God had destined me to be here and bless God, I'm here. Amen. It didn't stop it. But I am telling you, like Gehazi, like King Saul, like the ten spies, they absolutely compromised their own future in those pivotal moments. Amen. Aren't you glad we're able to understand it? Two main reasons we miss God in a pivotal moment. One is unscriptural thinking. Tradition, religion, we think we have a better idea. We're arrogant and prideful in our thinking. And our thinking is not in a position to make the right choice at that moment. The other reason is uncontrolled emotions. We respond emotionally rather than scripturally. How we feel dictates how we respond. Until we stop that, we're going to continue to blow, you know, you know, situations and moments like that that God has used to pivot us into success and victory instead of failure. This cult of the soul, as I call it, elevates what we think, we feel, and then we decide things over what the Word says. The problem is the soul is not yet glorified, therefore your soul is not qualified to lead you. 
your thoughts, your will, your emotions will not lead you down the right path. I hear people talk about this all the time. It is your spirit man that has been made perfect through the new birth. The rest of you is a work in progress. So when you're trying to navigate these things and make a decision in a, in a really opportunity where God can bless your life, in that pivotal moment, you've got to make sure you're being led by the Spirit, communicating with your spirit and not your emotions and not your will and not your reasoning. They clamor with, with phrases like this. We need to have emotionally healthy spirituality. No, the real need is spiritually healthy emotionality. Don't put the emotions above the spirit man. The spirit man is completely glorified. You don't know this right now. Some of you haven't heard this, but you right now, the new birth calls you to be 100% glorified in the inner man. That work has already been done. That's what you want to make those kinds of decisions from. The Bible says the spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord, not your emotions, not your will, not how you think. Be careful listening to the wrong voice at a pivotal time because it can rob you of God's best. There's a devil out there that wants to divert you and distract you and deceive you. And there are a lot of people out there that do his bidding. The soulless Christian's response to a pivotal moment, they think and their thoughts produce emotions, their emotions cause them to decide that they act and they live before, you know, below God's privileges in their lives. The spiritual Christian responds by hearing and then saying, seeing what God is doing and then do it. It's a different way to live. You say, well, you know what, Pastor? I don't think it really matters the choices I make, whom I marry, where I work, where I go to church, where I live, it doesn't matter. You know what? You're right. It doesn't matter unless the glory matters to you. But if the glory matters to you, then all of these things must be submitted to him. Especially in these last days. And can I tell you something? The eagles are gathering at Hope Harbor Church. I said the eagles are gathering at Hope Harbor Church. Some of y'all flapped in here and you have no idea how you got here. <laughs> we know how you got here. You were called here. And I can't tell you how thankful I am to have a group of people that are walking the path of righteousness, taking holiness seriously, amen, honoring the Word of God, and valuing the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We've always had, you know, various families and different people and wonderful times in this ministry through the years, going back all the way to 1964. But I've never seen a finer group of people that I've been involved with ministry before right here in this room right now. You're going to do great things for God. You just need to understand that at the pivotal moments, make sure that it is your spirit man that's, that's leading you by influence of the Holy Spirit. And you'll just keep on walking that path and seeing great things. I'm telling you what, we don't have much time left. 
We don't have the luxury to keep missing God at pivotal moments. Two important keys to seizing that pivotal moment. Two laws. One is called the law of faith. Say the law of faith. What law are we under now? The law of faith. Walk by faith and not by sight, like our father Abraham. In Romans 3, 27, that when, that what becomes of our boasting, it is excluded by what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Listen to me carefully. Maintaining an active spirit of faith, believing God's word, makes it easier for us to do two things. One, discern that we're in the middle of a pivotal moment. We have got to understand that we are in a crucial, critical season in that decision. You're not going to do that unless you are developing and cultivating your faith. Say it with the law of faith. Say it again, the law of faith. You're, you're in the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing. You're going to be in a better position that when you're in that pivotal moment, you won't dismiss that as insignificant. Oh, that doesn't matter. Who cares about that? But you'll have a heightened awareness, amen, and, and sensitivity to know, you know what? This decision has grave importance for me and for those around me. The second thing your faith will do for you at that time is help you make the absolute right decision. Why is that? The right choice in a pivotal moment will always be in the direction of faith. It will always be in the direction of faith. What does God say? Amen. Not fear, not doubt, not confusion, but faith. Say it will be not flesh, not a fit of flesh, but faith. The second law, of course, is the law of love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and do what? Love your neighbor as yourself. John tells us in chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. So you are to what? Love one another. By this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Notice it doesn't make any difference what your doctrine is or denomination is or how many church dinners you have or how many degrees you have. What tells us you're, you're authentically a Christian is love. Just like in that pivotal moment, that decision needs to go in the direction of faith and needs to also go in the direction of love. You do it believing God and you do it walking in love. Does that make sense? And that's a very important point for us because sometimes we don't feel like being very loving. Just me, apparently. Raise your hand and sometimes you don't feel all that loving. But what does the law of love cause you to do? To choose love instead. Amen. Why is this important to me? Why do I believe the Spirit of God is impressing me about this? Because there are levels of glorification some people are contracting in glorification because they're not moving forward. Some people are idling. They're just sitting there idling, not really going anywhere because in pivotal moments, they don't make the right call. Some people are vacillating. I hear the words of the prophet saying in 1 Kings 18, 21, Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, 
follow him, serve him. Are you here today? Some are drifting. They're just slowly drifting away from the dock of how important their life is and how much it matters. Some people in their glorification are advancing. Say, I'm advancing. Other people are doing more than advancing. They're increasing. Say, I am increasing in glorification. And then some people are soaring. Raise your hand and say, I'm one of them, I'm one of them, I'm one of them. Come on, say, I am one of them. No, you're not contracting, nodding, vacillating, drifting, advancing, or just increasing. You are soaring. We were talking the other day, and Kelly said, you know what? I'm, I'm never going back. I'm never going the other way. And I'm not staying where I am. Amen. She talked about rocketing to the next level. How many like to go with her? How many like to go with her? Just keep on going. Enough of this back and forth and sitting around. No, I'm telling you that in the days to come, there will be pivotal moments for you and for me that will either advance us in glorification, cause us to stand still or take us back, and we can't afford to waste any more time. Well, make that confession right now. I am soaring in glorification. Say it one more time. I'm soaring in glorification. So to put this, you know, in a way that you can you know, grab a handle and walk out of here with it. Practically, this is what I'm, I'm asking you today. How did you do in those moments, those pivotal moments that were so crucial and important to your success and development and where you go? Ask yourself some questions. Did you receive that correction when it came to you? Or did you bow up, flare up, flesh and fit up. Did you refuse that offense? Well, Pastor, if people weren't so goofy and stupid, I wouldn't be offended. Can I help you out here? You are always going to have people doing things. If you think your victory is tied to people not doing stupid stuff, you are in for a long, long haul. You have to say to yourself, no, I'm going in the direction of faith and love. This is a pivotal moment for me. I'm not going to be offended. Come on, shout out, I refuse to be offended ever again in Jesus' name. Did you honor that authority in your life? We have authority in, in the home. We have authority in the school. We have authority in the government. We have authority in police. We have authority in military. We have authority in the local church. You say, well, they don't know what they're talking about. There's your first mistake, Gehazi. Be careful of contradicting or coming against or at somebody that's in authority over your life. You just might lose everything. Did you hold your peace when you wanted to speak up and say the wrong thing? It's not the easiest thing to do, is it? That's why the Lord gave you praise. I'll tell you what he Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm just going to let him have it. And then you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. See my tie, tie my tie, amen. Tie my bow tie. Praise the Lord. I'll tell you what, praying in the Holy Ghost at that moment will shut you down. <laughs> You're about ready to let somebody have it. Put the word of God in your mouth. I find that it's impossible to cuss and speak the word at the same time. Although some of you have tried it, I can see. In the shower, when you thought you were all by yourself. <laughs> did you control your emotions or did they control 
you. What we're talking about ultimately is being promoted in the next level of the glorification of God and it's not going to happen if you continue to be run by what you feel. Did you forgive that person from your heart? They don't deserve to be forgiven. Probably not because neither do you. There's not a person in this room that deserves to be forgiven. That's where grace comes in. Did you speak faith when you were under pressure or did you will start talking the problem? Did you respond to the urging of the Holy Ghost to minister to somebody, to be a blessing to them, to encourage them, to send that text, to send that note? Did you respond by what he told you to do? That was a pivotal moment for you. Did you sow that seed that God impressed you about? I can tell you this, that uh, very first in pivotal moments, 1996, Fort Worth, Texas was a pivotal moment for us. And all the things that Kelly you know, told you about, uh, she did mention that really, um, you know, family helping her and her mom and goodness out of their heart, taking care of things like basic needs, like clothing for school and shoes for school. There was a lot of things that, uh, that just weren't there when you live in that way. And, and I'm telling you, it's, it's still not ideal for single parents, but a lot more resources now than there were then. And just, just all kinds of chains and all kinds of, you know, strongholds and all kinds of things operating in your life. And when you don't have nothing and you don't have control, you, you know what you want to do? You want control. You want to take charge of the world that's around you and uh, all the stuff and all the baggage, you know, countermanded by a little girl who gave her heart to God, but was sitting in those meetings. There's five sessions on Monday, five on Tuesday, five on Wednesday. And I remember we were sitting way up high in that auditorium. They think this place is cold. <laughs> it was 107 in Fort Worth last week. And we're carrying coats around because we're going to go in that building. <laughs> because the icicles will grow out of your nose if you don't. <laughs> and we're sitting up there in the, in the high section. Also, I just glanced over her and I could literally physically see things falling off of her life. And nothing was ever the same from that moment on. And one of the things we learned years ago was that um, if, uh, if what you have is, is not enough to meet your need, then it's a seed. Say, so it's, it's, it's not enough to meet my need. <laughs> so it's a seed. And I remember that uh, I was impressed, and we can hear from God, and so can you that uh, we're supposed to give $500 to the speaker's offering. It's going to go to all these ministries who, who feed the word to us and are a blessing to us. And um, that's where we felt directed to do it. And God put this number in our heart and thought, that, that can't possibly be God because the number was $500 check and there was like $514 in the checking account. <laughs> um Surely, it's just somebody else up there. Can I talk to them? <laughs> I want a second opinion. <laughs> that, that can't possibly be right. But how do you know it's not about what man's telling you to do? And I remember uh, writing that check, praying over that check, putting that in the offering, blessing it, praying over it. And I'm telling you, I can't even begin to tell you all the amazing breakthroughs that started happening in our lives. When at that pivotal moment, say a pivotal moment, you did what God told you to do. Say it with me. At my pivotal moments, I'm going to do what God told me 
to do. Hallelujah. That $500 might as well have been $500,000. Amen. Be honest with you, I don't miss those days. <laughs> First year we were married, our gross income was $3,300. But we loved each other and loved God. We didn't know that we were $11,000 below the poverty level. <laughs> but, but we were. <laughs> But uh, we're not anymore. Why is God able to take care of his own? So watch this. When it comes to forgiveness or ministry or mandates or urgings of the Holy Ghost or sowing your seed, you know, or choosing to love people instead of getting offended, whatever it is, when those pivotal moments come into your life, make sure you're choosing the right way by going in the direction of faith, say faith, and in the direction of love. And that will secure you and protect you. Amen. Did you get anything out of this today? Yeah. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap and thank him. Yeah.